Welcome back to the latest installment of My Father Before Me. I am Brendan Sam. Joining me as usual is my father. How are you doing today, Dad? I'm doing good. What are we going to be discussing today? Uh, well, to introduce it, instead of giving you the cool taglines, which there were a few in this one, I'm going to read what the Chinese characters in the main title translate to. Oh, I was curious about that as well. Evil spirits make a big scene in little spiritual state. Wow. <laughs> so we're talking uh, uh, John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. Was it 1986? Yeah, it looks like it. Yes. Uh, classic, cult classic. Uh, box office flop. Did not do very well, but... Um, For some reason, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine why. But, uh, you know, I w I'm going to say that it was Top Gun's fault. Because at the time when it came out, Top Gun was out. And Top Gun, I think, was in theaters for like eight months or something that year, you know. Uh, it, Wait, it went what? Up That's Top so Gun. long. Yeah, it was it was in there forever. I, I could be exaggerating. But it was one of those that it, it dominated the box office for a long time. Um, of course, it was the, the main hit of that year, if I remember right. Um, so, I mean, it had some, uh, some heavy uh, competition as far as box office goes. But... Uh, other competition it had, um, another show that I, I am adding to the list that we have to discuss is the Eddie Murphy vehicle, The Golden Child, which was uh, done about the same time. And uh, coincidentally, it is a, uh, a mystical uh, Asian mystics kind of thing as well. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, John Carpenter, he kind of... Um, when they were, uh, he was actually asked to uh, direct Golden Child for Eddie Murphy, and um, he turned it down. Well, and then he took over Big Trouble, or he did Big Trouble in Little China, and uh, he's you know famously quoted as saying, you know, there's never been any uh, Chinese mystical movies, and here we got two in the same year, you know, and stuff. So, so what, part of the issues maybe uh, is that they had to rush production on this because they wanted to get this one out early. So that it didn't compete directly with Eddie Murphy. Oh, right. And The Golden Child, which I think what they said is uh, this one came out in May and uh, Golden Child was out later in the year or something. But they definitely got got to the theater sooner than The Golden Child did. So, uh, of course, uh, everybody uh, knows this one from the um, from Kurt Russell. Of course, he is our, our main star. But, you know, it. It, it was just one that kind of spoke to me and kind of got me interested in the <laughs> right. whole, uh, uh, the fantasy, the, the Asian mystery, mystery, you know, the, the mysticism, that's the word I'm looking oh, for. Oh yeah. The Asian mysticism was kind of cool. And, and, you know, you kind of, uh, think about that kind of thing, but, uh, it definitely didn't do well in the theaters. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, um, it was a little, I don't even know how to describe it. The whole, the the various mysticism aspects of this were just so awkward. Like it was so they didn't. I feel like they didn't really explain anything. Um, it didn't make much sense. Well, and I <laughs> I, I, I do kind of think that. Um, so I was watching a, a documentary type thing, a little a little uh, video on it, and one thing they mentioned that John Carpenter mentioned is there's that scene. And maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit here, but there's this scene where they pull into the alley and there's the um, uh, funeral procession. Oh, yes. And and I, what I uh, heard was that was actually based off of some historical things that were happening around San Francisco. There were big uh, 
uh, ninja fights, you know, or sure, you know, sure. uh, Asian gang wars and stuff like that around the time. And uh, that scene when that fight happens is supposed to be the the um, it's the portal that sends our protagonist, our main dude, into the mystical side. You know that he's he's shown this mystical side of of uh, little China that he never knew existed. You know, so you can see right off the bat where you get to that point and up to that point, you know, they're at the airport and stuff. There's a little bit of, you know, what's going on here stuff. But yeah, once once you get into there, that's supposed to be where it flips. That's where we get into the mysticism and where he's introduced to that. And I think the point of that is as, uh, you know, as Americans who aren't necessarily familiar that we're supposed to kind of uh, sympathize or be along with Jack. In that, starting <laughs> yeah. at that point, as being w- very out of our elements. You yeah, know, so. I, I, I very much agreed with him when he went, What the heck is that? <laughs> I, I felt that as well. I, I, I identified with that. <laughs> it's definitely great when he's uh, after that and he's talking to the insurance company online, you know, and he's talking about, yeah, the Lopan tall guy ran over him with the truck, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It was so. Okay, so. Talking about that scene with the uh, the alleyway, that is some pretty impressive maneuvering of that semi from right off the bat. I mean, whoever's the stunt driver there drifting that was pretty impressive. I was like, whoa. <laughs> but then he's like eking this big old semi down this weird little alley. And I got to think, any normal person would would just get out of the semi. You know, like they wouldn't try to like inch this through this weird alleyway well i've never been a trucker but i i, I gotta think that in the uh the trucking lifestyle you gotta think that uh that vehicle is your armor right that's your <laughs> that's your home that's that's everything so i i guess he felt like he could go on down there you know i do know that there was mention because uh he had to go through some intensive training to learn how to drive a truck uh because he want he didn't want to kill anyone he said well sure <laughs> but he, he was pretty nervous about having to drive it around on set but uh but yeah, it wasn't it's an interesting juxtaposition now. Now the the movie the original the writers that it's cre- that are credited originally wrote a movie uh, that was supposed to be a western and it was going to be set back in the uh you know the wild west, but it was going to be the same thing where it was a cowboy getting intermingled with this Asian mysticism, you know. Um the Pork Chop Express was his horse that gets stolen. Oh sure, and he and he spent the whole movie trying to find his horse, but the the full storyline was almost a mirror where um uh, his friend is having his wife come over and then his wife get kidnapped and and the um the cowboy gets drawn into it and of course then his horse gets stolen along with it too and you know that was the story, um, now what happened was is they didn't think that westerns were going downhill at that point they weren't as popular and the writers were always trying to to sell this story to studios thinking you know this will be the revival of the western um so they they kept shopping it around and and finally when the um the studio bought it they had a uh, script doctor come in and clean it up and set it in the modern times um and the guy who uh who did it is actually the guy who is responsible for um the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, which we talked about a couple oh, right. couple uh, <laughs> episodes ago, so I thought that was a fun connection. Um, there was also a big uh, fight over it because when it was um, uh, marketed and when it was pushed, and all the press releases didn't mention the original writers at all, 
and they actually took it to arbitration with uh, some writers guild to get their name put back on it and mm-hmm. then the new guy the new script doctor was actually removed from the credits oh interesting uh, but it, it is kind of fun you know the think of the business side of that but you know the story as it was told when what I researched is basically the same storyline just set back in the in the Wild West. Honestly, I think that would have been a better movie. <laughs> I think I would have enjoyed that a little bit more. It's a little bit easier to believe that the the, the demons and stuff were hidden in the Wild West, and then <laughs> yeah. somehow they just went away because the mysticism went away or something in sure. our modern times. It's kind of hard to uh, believe that we got big, hairy monsters uh, and uh, beholder-looking things floating around in, in <laughs> modern times in, in Little China, I guess. Yeah. And then, okay, so what was the story... Um, or what's the deal with like the, I guess, okay. I guess my question is, what is the story of this movie? Like, I don't understand what really, what was going on with like, well, so here's Lopan and the three furies or whatever. So here's the story as I have it. And of course this is, uh, because I've had multiple rewatchings of this over the year. (laughs) Sure. Um, so the, uh, Lopan had some sort of mystical thing done to him years a couple thousand years ago, something like that is what they're saying. And Jack Burton makes a joke, you know, 2000 years, you can't find somebody, a woman to fit the bill. You're doing something wrong, you know, but, um, I guess what it is, is, um, so our actual main character, they're the, the main hero of the movie. Um, Donnie Yun, Dennis Dunn is the actor's name. Wang Chi. Wang Chi. Uh, he's having his, uh, girlfriend who he's going to marry, come over to the U S and she is an Asian girl with green eyes, which is very rare. Um, and the prophecy or whatever for Lopan to become mortal again, to not live in this cursed state, is that he has to marry and then sacrifice a girl with green eyes, basically. And then, so, so, I mean, obviously what kicks it off is it, it's kind of going to, you know, some of our modern sensibilities, and that is human, human trafficking on the... On the uh, the surface of it because these, uh, the, the bad gang is coming in there and grabbing women from the airport and taking them and, you know, doing all the human trafficking stuff that we see or that we hear about. And they just happen to get one with green eyes. Right. So I think that's what happened is it, is it becomes a, you know, I want to say a comedy of errors or whatever in that they kidnap this girl for just normal evil human trafficking reasons. Lopan finds out there's a girl with green eyes that they kidnap from that place when Jack Burton goes in there trying to uh, find her, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and then that sets it off. Now, the the um, the connection with the Kim Cattrall character, Gracie Long or whatever her character name is, is she is helping women come over and be free or be safe from this human trafficking. Right. So she gets caught up in it and then she just happens to have green eyes, too. So. The whole story is that, you know, Lopan is going to sacrifice one and marry the other so he can become a mortal man and have a chick, too, I guess. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah, that, that weird Gracie Law plotline that was in the beginning with that, the girl that she was picking up, they made her out to, like, she was going to be important, but then she didn't appear anywhere else in the film. Right. So, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I, I, I thought that the bad gang was, like, directly involved with Lopan. But if they're not, then I guess it could be that they were just, like, trying to steal the, the lady that um, that Gracie was with, what I what I gag, What I gather is that the bad gang is sitting at the airport and they snatch up a woman every now and then. That That's just what I gather. And right. it just happened to be uh, uh, Wang's girlfriend that they grabbed. Um, 
and took her, and then, of course, she's in a brothel, right? My guess is that Lopan has his connections with all the brothel people. When you got somebody with green eyes, you let me know. Right, right? okay. You yeah. know, and that kind of, that's my assumption. That's how I read it. I don't know if that's really how the story is. Sure. Um, now, granted, towards the end, that the um, the bad Asian gang, the ones wearing black because they're bad. Sure, black um, and red. Yeah, they're down there with him. So, obviously, there's some connection there in some way, or at least that group is with him and maybe the guys who are snatching him from the airport aren't i don't know you know there there was a little bit of confusion there right but but yeah i that's the way i've always kind of looked at it because i mean she's they had her locked up in a brothel or whatever when she's kidnapped by the uh the mystic uh the the lightning guy sure you know (laughs) yeah but uh, um and so i guess back back to that scene in the alley where we first get introduced to the, the 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 wizards we'll call them um all of, everybody does seem confused. Yes. Everybody's like, which I guess, I mean, that sort of lends a, a low credence to that theory where you're like, they're not really involved. Right. And I think that part of that too, and, and you notice, so when, when Jack's on the phone with the insurance company and he says something about low pan, Wang's dad or uncle, whoever, you know, the restaurant guy is going a little nuts because you're like, he's back, you know? And so, so I right. think that that's the kind of thing where, you know, maybe he's just always been underneath things, you know, under underground and stuff. And now that he now that they've come out and started, you know, winging magical knives around at people yeah. and throwing their lightning, it's more serious. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of like that scene, I loved it made me laugh every time. But like the exposition through dialogue yes. <laughs> where they were like, you saw David Lopin, the recluse who hasn't been seen for over 50 years, who runs the whole dock. Oh, that made me laugh so hard. Oh, yes. They definitely had to explain it. And and that's what uh, Carpenter was saying. So in the scene, in the in the funeral scene, it's supposed to be this intense standoff, you know, and stuff. And, and the studio came back and told uh, John Carpenter that they need more explanation. He said, because I guess he can't determine that the guys in black are the bad guys and the guys <laughs> in white are the good guys. So that's why they have Wang in the truck, you know, given that, and these are the lords of death and they're going to be bad. And these guys are mortal enemies and they're going to fight, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And then and, so, and in addition to that, <clears throat> there's a, uh, the very start to the movie is, um, they're talking with Egg Chen. The the lawyer's talking with Egg Chen about Jack Burton, you know, <laughs> yeah, and stuff. And, yeah. and he introduces the mysticism, which is, you know, I suppose is a way to introduce this is the kind of movie we're dealing with. But it's also the studio made him go back and add that in because really? they put all their money on the fact that uh, Kurt Russell is their leading man. And throughout the movie, he's not, you know, he's he's the sidekick in yeah, this movie. For right? sure. And um so the studio made Carpenter go back and film that opening part to point out that Jack Burton is the man, you know, <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And, uh, he, and Carpenter had a quote. He says, yeah, this is effing stupid, but I filmed it anyways. So. <laughs> man, the, the way to make this film, uh, better, what you, you should have done it where it was like, you if the focal point was egg, egg, <laughs> egg, Chen, yeah. egg being in, interviewed by the the lawyer, or the DA, the cop, or what, whatever they are, um, have that be like a recur, like he's telling the story, right? <laughs> but it was like they did that once, and then they never came back to it, and they never, or a separate method could have just been you start the film out in like well two thousand years ago, introducing. Um, 
Lopan. Right. Like how he got his curse instead of just being like, yeah, he's cursed. Yeah, because <laughs> then we have all, all kinds of exposition. And there's a lot of uh, names thrown around and stuff, you know, and 2,000 years ago, this such and such did this such and such, you know, and that sort of thing. I mean, there's a lot of that. And even me, who's watched it a few times, just kind of blows over it basically you know okay he's cursed and he's been living this way forever you know it's a it's a vampire thing right curse is a vampire you know you gotta you gotta sacrifice or do something to uh to um stay alive and that kind of thing and i i feel like that's where we're going with this right this kind of thing but so yeah i mean obviously um low pan we always talk about our actors, uh, James Hong. Yes. No, known uh, more famously as uh, the dad in Wayne's World. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> or T- Tia Carrere's dad in Wayne's World, where, where Wayne has to have the fight with him on the phone, and then he has to put the phone off call waiting. <laughs> yeah. That makes me giggle every time. I forgot time. about that. I mean, he's also the dad in uh, Kung Fu Panda. That, he, yeah, the pig. Um, he's done. He was also in um, in Rebels. He was uh, Star Wars Rebels. He was the um, as Morrigan. Yes, the uh, little dumpy little guy. <laughs> yep, and I believe he. I think he was uh, in Avatar, right? Airbender. Wasn't he a voice in one of the Airbender? Yeah. cartoons who did as he, well. Who did he play? I can I can picture. You know, his voice is very distinctive. You know, and you you know that you've heard him in almost every major um, major animated piece that. <laughs> that we've watched yeah. i'm also awful sure that he was but um, um so the the one that i'm thinking of he, he's done a, additional voices so yeah. i've probably heard him a lot but the one i'm thinking of is mayor tong it's um in season one it's the avatar day one just us yeah it's, it's, <laughs> we call it, that's why we call it justice because it's, it's just us that's right okay i knew i could think of his name i, I could <laughs> yeah. i could hear it but i couldn't remember what that was that's right Toss him into boiling oil. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean that dude, and of course he's um, everything, all, everywhere, all at once. You know, so he's still going nuts. He's also in. I think I saw he's got one coming up with um, uh, everything all at once. Uh, I forgot her name. She just won the Oscar. Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh with her. That looks like a, 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 an artistic Asian piece as well, and I'm super excited about that. The trailer looked pretty cool for that. Um, oh, he was also in Miss Pandaria. <laughs> well, of course he was. Makes sense. He uh, he was in um, Diablo three. He was the voice of Covetous Shen as well. Oh, yeah, really? Yep. I, 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 I just happened that. to I, I looked that up the other day. So um, that's a good game. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so that guy's been around forever. Of course, Egg Chen. Um. Uh, where do, where I I had him on the top of my mind, and now I forgot where I've seen him. Um, sorry. Uh, another thing about about James Hong, he's gonna be in. Uh, uh, I guess this is a reboot of a Gremlin show, Gremlin Secret of the Mogwai. Um, he mm. is the grandpa. Okay. It looks like it's also gonna have Ming Na Wen, who is uh, I think Omega from. Yeah, I know her from uh, Bad Batch. Uh. Uh, I know, I know her from uh, ER mostly. Yeah, uh, Sandra O, oh, Randall Park, who is the uh, um, guy from Ant Man, and George Takei. It's Takei, right? Not Takai. I think it is. We'll have to ask him sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, what were you saying? Uh, so the the other guy, Victor Wong, is his name, but he's Egg Chen. Um, he uh, 
we've seen him in some other things as well, but most um, not- notably, he is also in the movie I was telling you about, The Golden Child. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the same year. And he's kind of a, 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 a an Indian monk kind of thing, or East Indian monk. Um, we got to watch The Golden Child. We got to put <laughs> yeah. that one on the list as well. We should have done this maybe as a package duo or something. But uh, oh wow, I just I just looked it up. I got the, this is a, a fantastic poster for The Golden Child. Oh yeah, Eddie Murphy. It's the Eddie Murphy vehicle. <laughs> yeah, this looks great. Wow. Oh, Charles Dance. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about. My dear brother Numsy, <laughs> Tywin Lannister. What a weird, what a weird uh, casting, I guess. Definitely. Now, Kurt Russell, of course, he um, has come out and said um, that he he had quite a few bombs around the time, and he told John Carpenter, he said, "Are you sure you want me?" Because he wasn't <laughs> doing the best. Now, I do say that right around that time, he had a comedy that we watched as kids called Overboard, um, pretty famous show that he was in. Of course, you know stuff recently. Um, Escape from New York and the thing were right around that time. Um, Dad, your grandpa's one of your grandpa's favorite movies is Used Cars. He's a used car salesman, and the suit that he wears when he goes into the brothel is the same suit that he wears as a used car salesman. Oh, really? <laughs> um, That's funny. And then this I didn't know, but he was the voice of Elvis in Forrest Gump. Really? Yeah, you know when the, you know when Forrest, little Forrest meets For- Elvis. You know you never see Elvis's face really; it's kind of blurred at some point. Yeah, but he, yeah, they had Kurt Russell do the voice. Does I didn't it, realize that. Doesn't he teach him like how to dance or something? Oh yeah, El- yeah. Forrest shows of everybody everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, what a film! Um, and then one other character is that Kim Kim Cattrall. Um, of course, most people know her from Sex in the City, but I know her mostly, um, and when we talk about it, from Star Trek Six. She's a, a Vulcan that uh, kind of turns a little, oh. spoiler alert, uh, turns a little rogue in a way. So. Interesting. She's a, a Vulcan. Yes. Huh, okay. Yeah. Back to Kurt Russell. I don't like him all that much. I, granted, I haven't seen a lot of stuff he's been in, um, but of the things I've seen him in, the only thing I've liked is The Hateful Eight. Okay. He was in that, and I liked that. But everything else, I mean, <laughs> he was Ego in Guardians 2, which uh, isn't exactly my favorite MCU film, to put it lightly. Um, and in this, I mean, he was just like... Well, in this, he was trying to model himself after um, um, Western. Oh, shoot. Um, Clint Eastwood? Partner. No. <laughs> Clint Eastwood is who he models himself. He's trying to model himself after Clint Eastwood in Escape from New York. Oh, um, and this, it is, oh boy, who's the famous Western, old Western dude, a true grit. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, all right. It's going to come to me. John uh, Wayne. John Wayne. <laughs> it's such a simple day, but I couldn't remember it. Uh, I lost it. So he's trying to do that and you can kind of hear in his voice. He's got that kind of drawl a little bit, you know? Yeah. Now that you say that, that makes, that makes sense. And he didn't, you know, he says he didn't really, he didn't accept the job at first, not only because he was worried about his marketability, but he was also worried about his, um, um, he didn't know how to play the character, right? He didn't know how it should come off or anything. And it took him a while to figure out that what he was, was the sidekick. And he said, as soon as he realized that he's, as soon as he read through it and realized that he's the sidekick of the new movie, even though the character would think he's the hero, you know what I mean? So he's playing the character. Like he thinks he's the hero, 
and he, but he's the uh, sidekick. And I heard a quote on one thing where, um, you know, if, um, if that character was watching this movie as his biography, he would hate it because he knows he's not the main guy, but he would like it because everybody else was enjoying it. Right. You know, that kind of thing. So, so you kind of see that that's um, the attitude, but he is, you know, he's our point of view. He's a, a, he's the sidekick guy. You know, he's the, he's the fish out of water or whatever. Um, gets a couple things, you know, the all in the reflexes thing is, is fun, but <laughs> yeah. and he, yeah. and he's the comedy too. Cause he gets the good lines in most of the time, you know, when yeah, he's making comments on things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I know Kurt Russell uh, more and it probably lends more to this movie. Like I said, I grew up, we watched the movie Overboard, which is a rom-com where he's a, a, a single dad carpenter, you know, and Goldie Hawn is this uh, rich witch that falls off a boat and loses her memory. And he convinces her that she's his uh, broke, broke ass wife, you know, and stuff. Okay. It, it's a, it's a fun movie. Now they recently did a remake. It's not nearly as good, of course. Um, but in that, you know, he's just kind of a, you know, single dad, lovable guy, you know, uh, and it's a comedy, um, where you're rooting for him and that kind of thing. And then of course used cars is nothing but a comedy, right? That's a, it's a great comedy, but it, that's all it is. So, I mean, from my standpoint, I know him more from that than what you're got for comparison, which is that or GI Joe, or I think he's in fast and furious now too, or something oh, great. playing the same guy that he was in GI Joe. You know what I mean? Right. It's, he's got that, that role now or whatever. And, and yeah, that that's how I know him, which fits more this kind of thing. Now I, um, shame to say, I think I've seen parts of the thing, but I've never watched it. Yeah. Me neither. And, um, uh, but I did watch, I mentioned last night, I haven't really watched Escape from New York, but I watched Escape from L.A. a few times, you know, because that was always on the HBO um, back in the day. They must have had a, a cheap license on that one or something. Uh, so I've seen that one a few times, you know, and stuff. And, and it's that snake character that, you know, that the Clint Eastwood type of character that he's trying to do and stuff. But, right. Uh, I don't know. I I thought, you know, I, I've always liked Kurt Russell for those things more than anything. So, yeah, <laughs> I just, he's just like, to be fair, though, to be fair to, to Kurt Russell, nobody in this film, Big Trouble in China, was was particularly um, incredible as far as the acting department. Goes. No, this movie was what it was. It was there just to be a uh, weird one off that nobody knew what was going on. Kind of fun thing, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do say uh, I, I noticed in the uh, in the trivia, so take it with a grain of salt. But uh, it says that Kurt Russell turned down the the lead role as Connor McLeod in Highlander to to, to do this movie. So. Really? <laughs> wow, <laughs> that that would have been a hilarious movie. But they were kind of looking at this movie, um, you know, at the time they kind of you know, and, and of, of course you're everybody's always dreaming. But you know, you had Indiana Jones coming out and stuff like that. They were kind of looking at this as another hoping to be a franchise type thing that they could build off of, I think. And of mm-hmm. course it didn't go anywhere. I think it only made like 11 million or something. But uh, part of that is because um, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell have come out and said, you know, the studio didn't know how to market it because they didn't know what they had, you know? Well, yeah. Cause it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. That's it. You just don't know how to market a movie. And that's why Kurt Russell is all over all the posters and everything as the hero. But like we say, he if you watch the as soon as you watch the show, you know he's not. Mm-hmm. He's he's the extra, you know, and stuff. So I think that that but that lends its to um 
you know, that that's what the cult classics are that we're talking about now, right? It's one that uh, didn't do well in the theaters, but it's got a great cult following. People are paying to to buy it and everybody's talking about it. And it's one of those things that you, that, that comes up, you know, people know about it. Right. Even if, right. The, even if, uh, not everybody is as high on it as they, they could be. <laughs> yeah. Now I think you did mention though, it's one of the highest rated ones that we've reviewed. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. It's like a seven point something or other, which, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> it was, um, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. 7.2. I mean, even the ones that we've discussed before that were like, like really big cult followings don't really necessarily have high ratings. I think I think if I remember right, Willow was like a seven. I think as well. I think but, you're right. But as other well. than that, I don't think we've hit the big ones now. Even the one, well, War Games, I think might have been pretty high too, because that one had some good. That, I think that one came off with uh, some good critical reviews. I could be wrong on that. But um, let's see. Willow is also a seven point two, and War Games is. 7.1. So War Games okay. is lower than Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can agree with that one. I guess it depends on if you're talking uh, entertainment nostalgia or uh, actual movie making. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It does have a um, a much higher Metacritic score. So, <laughs> yeah, I could see where that would be a thing. <laughs> yeah, Big Trouble in Little China is a 53 and War Games is like 77. So. Well, and, you know, part of the problem, too, with Big Trouble in Little China um the special effects guy is that Richard Edlin, and we've mentioned his name quite a bit. Um, he he is doing uh, effects in Ghostbusters, and you see that some of the effects that you see here kind of look like they did in the '84 Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, of course, he did the fact the effects for one of our uh, best movies that we've reviewed, He Man. Oh sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, this movie had only like I think he said it only had like two million dollars for their special effects budget, and it was compressed in time because they wanted to beat Golden Child. So I think that you can really see that you know in the way that it's it's uh, cobbled together a little bit. Although the you know the the cinematography is a little bit different than you see you know nowadays you know quick cuts and everything they still were doing they were trying to do some good um, action filming and stuff like that. I mean uh, like the the fight scenes um, that we get, most of those guys on there are like stunt, stunt choreographers and stuff. You know, in fact, uh, there's a few of them that, um, like that Kim Young, I think is his name, uh, is in there. And he's the guy um, in um, Die Hard that reaches in and grabs a candy bar. You know, he's a very recognizable dude with his uh, mustache. Really? Um, and then and there's a couple guys that James... Inada, I think is his name, but he's been a stunt coordinator for a, a lot of things, um, for a lot of movies that, that, uh, we, we know. And, and he actually, they said he filled like four or five different roles just by changing his facial hair and, and his outfit. And then he was a different <laughs> right. guy fighting over in this part of the scene, you know, and stuff, but <laughs> that's really funny, but it's definitely a, uh, um, you know, he, he, Cameron was saying that, uh, you know, of course, there were a lot of uh, there was a movie that came out right before this. And I can't remember what it was that had a lot of backlash from the Asian community. And, of course, they uh, were um, they were on him because here's a, you know, a white American doing a movie and stuff. And he's like, you know, we tried to be as true as we could. You know, we had three white actors and the rest of the cast is all Asian. And we tried to pull the, the mysticism in. And from my sensibilities, you know, being a white dude. I thought that it was kind of fun in that way that it kind of showed 
that side of things, you know, the, the sensibilities, the, the Asian community and stuff and, and how that's just that bonkers or, or at least how <laughs> it could be if the mysticism was real. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but you know, even the part where, um, you know, they go into egg Chen's, uh, um, garage and, uh, Wang saying, yes, he's a very rich man. And, and you know, Burton says this place is a dump. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he says, well, all the stuff in this jars is priceless, you know, and stuff. So it's, it's a, it's, they're showing the different sensibilities. Right? right. Right. And I think that they did a good job showing off. Incidentally, um, I, I was going to mention that, that, uh, garage is the same one they used in Ghostbusters. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> That's super funny. I thought that was cool, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, no, I think you're right. It's not like overtly like ridiculously stereotypical. <laughs> or That's racist. the thing. I don't feel like they really went for the stereotypes. I went, I think they went for uh, what could be construed, you know, quote unquote true when we're talking about uh, video game magics, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a, like a, a westernized take on ancient Chinese mythology. I think so, yeah. But, you know, like I say, it's definitely a, it's another cult cult movie that's uh, um, been around for a while. And, um, you know, it, it um, inspired a few things. Of course, the you know, Mortal Kombat people have come out specifically and said Raiden is a direct ripoff of the... The lightning dude, oh, you know, right. with his hat and <laughs> yeah. and his, you know, the lightning effects and stuff. Yeah, but. we gotta we gotta talk about those guys. <laughs> what, what? That was just so weird. Why is it, there's one guy who can just grow? Like, he oh, can yeah. just like get juiced. Speaking of him, that actor's name Carter Wong. Pull uh-huh. him up on IMDb. Take a, take a look at that dude's IMDb photo. <laughs> and if, for you listeners, uh, this is a visual podcast, but you gotta you gotta look up Carter Wong on IMDb. That dude is a big dude. Oh, that's that's so funny. Um, but yeah, so and it is kind of fun at the end. Um, you know, Jack's doing his uh, uh, monologue and on his CB, and he's you know when the storm or when what do you say? When the rain and the thunder and the, uh, you know, the lightning is coming down, and that's those three guys. You know, he's he's given that reference to those three guys, you know, and stuff. But uh. yeah, I uh, I don't understand. Okay, so here, <laughs> my major complaint is still just why didn't they like try to really explain any of that away? You were just supposed to take for granted. This is what they do. They weren't. They never like explicitly described their abilities. They never were like, yeah, these guys are like demigods or anything. You were just right. like, they're related to this guy who's cursed, so they have magic powers. And and you know that was the decision made, um, probably for budgetary reasons and for filming time reasons and that sort of thing. But again, it does put you in the the. Uh, the Jack Burton mindset because you don't, he don't know any of this stuff except right. what people are telling him. And even half the time when he, when people are telling him these things, he's kind of talking over it and doing the, what? Huh? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, you know, yeah. but, uh, yeah. So it, it, it and that's what you're feeling there, I think. But, you know, it, again, it's got to come down to, um, uh, you know, cool powers, cool effects, cool fights. Sure. Right. Um, the the guy that's at the end, I always thought the best part, or, or the I don't know if it's the best part, but one of the things that I always remember is when they're looking down the hallway, 
which incidentally, they, in order to make it look bigger, they made the hallway so that it got smaller, so that it looked like he was further down the hallway. Oh, right. Uh, but he's sitting there shooting lightning up at the walls, just showing off, you know, <laughs> shooting it everywhere. And as he walks forward, you see the ceiling melting behind, behind him. Yeah. I just thought that was a fun touch. Um, so, you know, he's just showing off. And, and what, he dies by dropping a statue on his head? Yeah, so I, I'm surprised we've lasted this long without talking about the actual <laughs> ending. But let, let's start at the beginning of the end with, with Lopan. Um, so you mentioned a little bit about the fast reflexes thing. Yes. So <laughs> they're just in a room, and he tries to throw a knife at Lopan and misses horribly. <laughs> and him and Kim Cattrall share a look, which is really funny. Yes. That made me laugh. He was like, With, oh. well, he's got the lipstick on too. So that makes it look even better. So. <laughs> yes. And then Lopan picks up the knife and throws it. And Jack Russell catches it right before it hits him in the face and then throws it back. And it's a bullseye right in Lopan's forehead. Right. Because it's all in the reflexes. You know, that's the Chekhov's reflexes. Cause at the very beginning of the movie, and I've always wondered, um, you know, we go back to the beginning of the movie where he's betting with Wang and Wang says they can cut the bottle in half and the bottle flies up and, and is going to hit him in the face if he doesn't catch it. Uh-huh. I'm always curious whether Wang actually thought that was going to cut the bottle or whether this was some kind of grift where he's going to knock him out with the bottle, take the money and disappear or something. And then that's the end of the movie. <laughs> I, I'm always kind of curious about that one. Uh, but, you know, so they set it up. You know, he's got the cool reflexes. So the one thing he can do is, it, you know, it's all in the reflexes. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So then he kills Lopan um, in really which, unceremonious fashion. But that's because they let the whole ceremony go and his curse is gone and now he's uh you know mortal again and blah 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 yeah (laughs) he's married his two wives (laughs) that's right (laughs) um and so okay lopan's dead sitting on the floor with a knife sticking out of his head and one of his sons thunder carter wong the big dude uh who can grow comes in sees his dad dead it just gets so angry that he explodes well that's part of his plan it's it's the nuclear effect this is how we're going to finish this fight is i'm just going to blow my 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 dude's dead so we're going to blow everybody up i guess <laughs> now really all it, all they had to do is run out in the hallway and get out of the way but... yeah, yeah i don't understand he just like i mean i've got this image <laughs> yes i feel like i've seen that uh the <laughs> in my nightmares but yeah it, it that is his you know that's his his ending power that's that's the fatality is i'm just gonna blow everybody up oh, take yeah. myself with me i guess but <laughs> yeah i don't know what like was that because even so i mean it, like him blowing up it didn't exactly look like you know a massive explosion or anything it was just like his skin blew up well they ran out in the hallway and then after he blows up you see his skin parts fly out and then you see the ceiling where they're at collapse so it must have been enough that was his goal i guess to try to capture them all in there and you know the room i guess so that makes that makes more sense i thought the ceiling was falling because because somebody blowing themselves up makes more sense (laughs) sure well i thought the ceiling was falling because low pan was dead and it was like one of those situations where it was like he's exerting his power over the room or whatever i don't know well for some reason all the statues (laughs) fell when he fell but i don't know (laughs) i don't think that was a thing but yeah i don't um, know but yeah it's uh that that was so that was his nuclear option and then the lightning guy comes in and he and he melts the ceiling now um one thing that is kind of fun is if you watch really close and i only watched close enough because i actually i saw this in the uh trivia 
But when they drop the uh, statue on the lightning guy as he's poking up through the hole there, sure. there's a very small little, um, his lightning actually does a Chinese character in the air. Oh, really? And that is the Chinese character for Carpenter. For John Carpenter, I thought I thought that was kind of a fun little thing. That's funny. I'd never noticed it. The only reason I knew it was because I saw the trivia. But I was when I was watching it last night. I saw that. I was watching for it. And saw That's cool. It. <laughs> so okay, but the, okay. So this lightning guy, um, it seems silly to me that everybody else can just float naturally, but he's got to grab onto this bolt of lightning to float up. But then at the end when he's doing his big power up where he ends up melting the roof and he's trying to come up through the hole, he's just like, and just floating. I don't, well, maybe like... the lightning uh, rod is for effect. He wants to show off that he's a lightning guy. Everybody has their own powers and they got to make sure you know what they are, I guess. But they, I do know that those, um, those three guys are based off of uh, uh, the three. Uh, I think it was a, an old Chinese movie called the three assassins or something like that. I mean, they're, they're an inspiration from that. Uh, or, um, I can't remember specifically what it, what it was from. Maybe that's not the name of the movie, but that's what they're called in the movie. I can't remember. Right. But you know, there's, there's the, the, uh, the reference to that again, trying to have that, um, uh, reference. And of course the only reason they can beat them is because they drink, uh, egg Chen's magic potion, you know, that makes them feel pretty good. You remember they they drank the potion and then they're going down in the elevator and Burton's like, yeah, I feel kind of good like i can take on the world and stuff <laughs> oh yeah i had forgotten about that <laughs> and then he gets a little light anybody else hot <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was really funny um, i forgot about that but then of course that means that so then the other um that we kind of went past is the sword fight with uh wang chi and the and the uh the other guy. i don't know is he rain Let's i see. think yeah so. he'd be rain i think or he, whatever but we, yeah he did he have any special power? Or no, was he, he just was really good at swords. <laughs> Other than he could float. I guess. <laughs> that was his power. Um, yeah, that was stupid. And then, you know, you got to have the stupid uh, fight where they both jump in the air and clash swords in the air and hit each other once. <laughs> That's, I hate that that concept so much. Well, that has its uh, setting. And I don't, I don't know if you remember Kill Bill. Um, right. But there's the one scene in Kill Bill where they're facing off and then, you know, they run past each other and it's the precision strike that kills them and they're done, you know, yeah. and stuff. And that that's the kind of thing you see in a lot of those uh, old samurai movies and stuff like that. I know. I just think it's stupid. <laughs> but it is kind of. Um, so one thing about that, the Donnie, Donnie Dunn. Yeah. Dennis, Dennis Dunn. Oh, Wang Chi. You keep thinking of Donnie Yen. I do. Uh, but he. um had no martial arts training. Oh, really? Yes. He uh, was a, uh, it said he was a, a Chinese opera star. Uh, <laughs> but I thought he did pretty convincing when it came to the martial arts side of things. So it must be that dance background or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know that that kind of worked out for him. Because uh, <laughs> uh, they wanted uh, Jackie Chan. Oh, sure. Back at the time, they wanted Jackie Chan, but they were worried that his accent would, would uh, you know, Americans couldn't understand him. Yeah. So, so uh and then when when Jackie Chan heard that he backed out so they uh um they picked up this guy which incidentally I, I was looking it up he hasn't done a whole lot else uh necessarily but uh I of course I remember him from this one he's our he's our main guy right I, and I I got to wonder if they would have uh if this would have been a um uh you know a sequel type situation like they were hoping building building a, a series or whatever if he would have been the focus or if it would have been Kurt Russell I don't know right well I I think that's actually a really good point if I had to hazard a guess I bet it would be Wang looking for Kurt 
Yeah. Because obviously something happens with that big furry monster. <laughs> yeah. Obviously he gets taken to hell or something. Which I don't know where I say I've seen it, but I know that they've done a comic um, that actually has that in it. Oh, really? Because I can picture the the uh, the design in my head, and, and it's like the it picks up right after the movie uh, where it shows that outcome. I'm I'm awful sure I've heard of that somewhere. I can't think of it now, but <laughs> that's um, terrible. So it's it's definitely out there. That, of course, you know, with all these movies, the first thing people do is fan fiction. What's going to happen next? You know, and oh stuff. sure. But uh, oh yeah, there. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Oh my lord, this looks ridiculous. What is this? When did this come Does it out? look like the Kurt Russell on the poster or the actual person? Because Kurt Russell on the poster didn't look like him at all. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, this comic was made in 2014? Okay, so it was pretty recent. So they were like, oh, maybe we should finish this story real quick. <laughs> yeah, it picks up right where the movie ended. Might be worth. We'll have to tre- see if we can find it somewhere. It's probably in a quarter box somewhere. But oh my, this looks. Oh, there he pops up. Preposterous. I'm and, so and, excited and, to read that in the Pork Chop Express. But um, wow. Um, but wait. of course, yeah, we talked about the special effects budget. They said the most that Richard Edlin has gone on record, the most difficult creation, and he did like Slimer and Ghostbusters and stuff. But the most difficult creation he ever did. Was the uh, beholder-looking guy? The, oh yeah, the little uh, uh, drone flying around. Yeah, I gotta find a picture of that. Oh, yeah, man. with his uh, the eye in his mouth and stuff. But oh, you can't get past the guy blowing himself oh, up. Oh well, it was just ridiculous. Oh, there's the ape monster again. <laughs> but they said that that took up a big portion of the special effects budget. They had to do. A, they had multiple people, of course, controlling all the little things that move. They had, um, there he is, second row. To oh, him. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't realize there was an eye in his mouth, yes. too. Oh, yeah, that's the big beholder eye. So <laughs> I only noticed the top two eyes. <laughs> but, yeah, he's gone on record saying that's the worst creature he's ever had to do, and, and it took up a big amount of budget because then they had to do a special matte background or something in order to uh, film him and put him in there. Oh, so. right. <laughs> I don't know if the effect was worth it for the what twelve seconds that we see him on screen. But. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I'm uh, I'm not a big fan of the beholder. <laughs> oh man, yeah, this was just this whole movie was just ridiculous. It definitely was. Now, um, we're going to uh, we're gonna do um, Golden Child next, and we'll see how we feel about her ridiculousness. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So my other thing is like with this wedding. <laughs> with the, with this wedding like what i don't understand like i still don't really get it like so he had to marry a, a woman with green eyes and that was going to lift this curse like did they ever no. explain okay, any so significance like what to what? a p so he was actually i think in some way he was cursed by two different people so to appease one of the people he had to marry him and then to appease somebody else he had to sacrifice them which is why he's so excited because there was two girls with green eyes because then he gets to keep one. And he only has to right. say, so he marries both of them, sacrifices one of them, keeps the other one. So then he gets his lady, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff. And I believe that was why he was so uh, giddy when he saw another person with green eyes and stuff. So, Man, so this guy made a lot of people mad, mad back in the day. <laughs> I guess so. Well, I mean, he doesn't look like he's the friendliest of guys. He, he had his issues. but Yeah, well, he's he's got some weird... Uh... 
like eye makeup going on. <laughs> he definitely did. We don't know. That might have been the way he dressed. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And then what was the weird, like, why did their eyes go all milky? What was going on there? Like, I'm during guessing the wedding that ceremony? that is some sort of, you know, that's just the universal indication that they can't respond, that they're being forced into this, you know, that kind of thing, right? Sure. It's a it's a mind control thing or whatever. Um, you know, they just have to, I guess that's just what they have to, uh, they're, they're doing that to indicate, you know, taking away their agency. Right. So they've got to indicate why, you know, right. stuff. But they're not milky when they're floating up and, and touching the, the skull on the ceiling. Yeah. To pass the test or whatever that was. Well, yeah, and they, they it definitely looked like they didn't have a choice there. No. <laughs> it looked like they were kind of being forced. So, he okay, so they, they gave one guy literally just did a bunch of moves and set his stuff on the floor and then walked away. Rain gave them his swords. And then the lightning guy shot lightning at him to heat him up. So, what what was the point of the first guy? Was it just was it just ceremony, and they wanted him to be involved? Or are they yeah. trying to like infer something's happening? I, I I guarantee you that's what it is. We're trying to make a cool ceremony, and we hired these guys, these actors who can do cool martial arts moves. So let's make them do it. You yeah, know, and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. it it. Uh, that that's what it is. It's the whole mysticism, you know. Okay, here's a spell we're casting, or a ritual, or something like that. Uh, you know, D and D. You play monks. So you don't know this, but you've got your verbal and your somatic components. You know, somatic components are the sure. the movements and stuff. So, I guess they're trying to steal that idea from yeah. things, right? The uh, that you have to have this big ritual in order to to cast this spell to see if they're going to pass it. My assumption is is that they have tried this. Uh, this test on other ones who have failed for whatever reason. Right. You know, or something like that too. So Yeah. That's another thing. They never explain how they both pass it. They're just like, ah, they both passed the test of the burning sword. <laughs> but speaking of a little bit of, of magic, um, and I guess a little bit to the special effects thing, the was this right after the wedding ceremony when Egg and and Lopan are doing their weird <laughs> thing what was that that was they said that was improvised on set you'll be surprised to learn <laughs> okay but that is uh yeah that's a well that's a video game even even when i was a kid i thought oh they're playing some kind of chinese mystical video game because <laughs> lopan actually at some point is doing the thing with yeah. his thumbs where it's like he's controlling like a rock of video soccer game. robots yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's what it is it's mystical you're probably right it's more rock em sock em robot kind of thing <laughs> because they are just uh they're controlling a couple fighting guys just to be cool <laughs> yeah i liked how it was like the standard like you know gandalf sarabon like old people just pointing stuff at each <laughs> yes. other but then there's in it there's like a like samurai's fighting I, <laughs> they definitely such a weird they, effect. you know they said that they of course that was just we'll make these guys stand here and do things and then we'll make the special effects team figure out what's going on and i think that's what happened <laughs> um, but that's that effect specifically was what is uh used a few times in he-man as well where you've got the big light flash of light behind a person yeah you know it's oh, that like same effect yeah yeah so so you, you just don't know what's actually going on <laughs> that's right you can't tell how bad it is um egg shen Another thing, what what was he? Was he like two thousand years old as well? Like, or was he just like a regular guy who happens to have magic? I think he's uh, he's the um, yeah the mystic who 
you know, the eight through the ages, it's been passed down. We need to watch for this guy or something, you know, that yeah, kind of, okay. I assume that's what we're getting at there. Cause I mean, he definitely looked old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he talked about, you know, I've always told myself I'm going to travel and stuff, Take you know, so, um, so that's my assumption is that it's that kind of thing. He's the, he's, you know, he's the Obi-Wan, he's the mystic. Yeah. He's the old guy who knows everything and stuff. And, and, uh, Somehow he's finally got his chance, I guess, to go after him. Now, I don't know if his whole plan was to also wait for somebody with green eyes, and then that's when it's finally time for him to do something or what. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know how he would have known if he didn't know all his other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely, uh, uh, he just came out of nowhere. Although at the beginning, of course, they show him interviewing the lawyer. Uh, but at the beginning, you know, he he's driving the tour bus that Jack almost hits. Yeah. You know, and stuff, yeah. which. The stu- uh, at one point the studio told them they want they want to get rid of all the comedy, so they took all this stuff out, and then they screened it and test audiences hated it. So the studio said, <laughs> "Put it back in." That's great. So he had to go back and put in all the uh, the, the uh, comedy with him driving the bus. I guess <laughs> that's so good. Well, do you have any final thoughts? I don't think so. I think that this is another one that um, everybody owes it to themselves to watch. Okay. So that's why I made you watch it. Yeah. Um, this one wasn't a punishment thing. I just thought it would be fun. But. Yeah. Um, okay. So our rating system. Let me ask you, how much do you like this movie? Well, for me, it's still the nostalgia thing. Yeah. Right. And I think of my love of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff. And, and I get that love from this kind of thing. Okay. Right. Because this ga- introduced me to, oh, there's this whole mystical Asian thing. And, you know, it was a, uh, a flashy martial arts film as far as I considered it when I was a kid, you know, and <laughs> okay. stuff. Um, obviously, there's some, some uh, uh, problems with that logic. Yeah. <laughs> once it once it rewatch it. But I still think that it holds up as a fun uh, 80s movie. Okay. Um, then I'm going to give it a could be better. <laughs> <laughs> if you that your answer determined how I was going to rate it, because. If you were a big fan, it was going to be could be better. But if you didn't like it all that much, I was going to say trash. <laughs> but out of deference to you, I'll say. Well, it there could we be go. Better. I appreciate that. No, it, uh, I, it's definitely. I mean, and there's like I say, once you take into account all the stuff that you hear about compressed timeline and uh, low budget, you know, studio not supporting it and stuff, you could see where if they would have done a little bit more with this, this could have been an Indiana Jones if they had the budget. If they had the timeline, if they had the freedom that Lucas obviously had to do whatever he wants. You know, you had, with Indiana Jones, you have Lucas and Spielberg doing whatever they want. With this, you have uh, James Cameron, who's known uh, for horror. You know, he did Chris, the, the Stephen King Christine movie. You know, wasn't, John wasn't a, or John Carpenter. I'm thinking, yeah, I was confusing myself earlier, too. Um, you know, he had the thing, and, and They Live, which is a... Uh, uh, a cult classic that I'd never got into as much, but it had uh, Roddy Piper, who was a professional wrestler at the time, and right. he had magic glasses who could see aliens because of the glasses, I guess. Oh, sure. So, Makes sense. Um, but now, just as a reference, because we're probably not going to watch this one because it wasn't one that I watched, but um, you know in Family Guy, when Peter fights the chicken yeah. for like half the episode, yeah. that is a shot-for-shot remake of a fight in They Live. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because Roddy Piper and Keith David wanted to do this fight. And it was that, I mean, it is that long. It's the longest fight, I think, in, in uh, 
movie cinema history and stuff, but you know. That's so, I'm gonna have to watch that now. That's hilarious. But yeah, I mean, like I say, we probably won't cover that one because I never watched. I just know about that side of things, you know, and stuff. I was never. Um, there's a reason we're not doing a lot of these old horror slasher things, um, because that wasn't me as a kid. Right. I wasn't a horror slasher kind of guy, so I didn't necessarily watch these as much. So yeah, I just I just found out uh, this movie has Keith David in it. Yes, <laughs> so I'm in. Um, wow. I I actually we should watch it. Maybe this would be a uh, you know. I don't I don't know what we'd call it, but it's definitely like I say, it's not one that I've watched. I just know from pop culture a lot right, of stuff yeah. about it. So it might be worth it to watch it sometime. It has the same rating as Big Trouble in Little China, too. Well, there you 7. go. 7.2. And about almost the exact same Metacritic score. So <laughs> well, we are in for a treat. If maybe IMDb is wrong and they just copy and paste numbers whenever they feel like it. <laughs> it's just random. <laughs> oh, man. But yes, Big Trouble in Little China. What a what a film. Okay, so you <laughs> could be better, but you still recommend like a... Uh, say your brother. I don't know if he's ever watched it. I might have made him watch it when he was a kid because he's a little older than you. Uh, would you tell him, or would you tell Spencer or or Shade? And maybe maybe you guys should watch this. Um, or is there no benefit <laughs> to it? No, I mean I think it's a fun movie. Okay, like it's enjoyable. The um the fighting the fight scenes are entertaining. That's There's the some good classic side of it, right? That the, yeah. that it's a it's an entertaining movie. <laughs> From that standpoint. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's just, it's it's not even really that it's like all that, it's not trash. It's just, it's so annoying. Like, there's just no, like, story, plot, <laughs> exposition or anything. Like, not, they just sort of are like, and I, I get the argument that you're like, you're supposed to feel like Jack Russell, but it still irritates me to know it. <laughs> Jack, Jack Russell's a dog. Jack. <laughs> oh, John, what's his name? I mean, it's Kurt Russell and it's Jack... Uh... Burton, Jack, Jack Burton, Burton. That's Jack right. Russell. Jack Russell's yeah. little dog. That's the co- combination of Jack, yeah. <laughs> Jack Burton and Kurt Russell. So there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, sure, like go watch it. It wasn't. It's not like it's not the worst movie we've watched. No, um, I can't think of one. It's better than He Man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like it more than He Man. There we go. So we we've got a scale now. Now we've got a scale. <laughs> Is it better than He Man? Is it better than He Man? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good one because that was a. Oh. I guess the only thing since we're at the end of our episode, I got to point out that the closing song, um, "Big Trouble in Little China," where they're actually singing the title of the song. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would encourage you if you don't watch the movie, at least go watch the video because the song is, um, John Carpenter is you know of course the music he loves doing his own music. He did the music for the thing and stuff like that. He did the music for this. So music credits go to him. Well, he did this song and it's him and the second unit director and some other movie guy. And they're, they're a bunch of old guys wearing cardigans doing this 80s song. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to watch it after it's, this. I mean, if, if, even if you don't watch the movie, I would recommend going to check that out. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it looks great just based off of the thumbnail there. Oh, yeah. But, um, yes, I suppose that'll wrap us up for this week. Um, Golden Child next time? Is that weird what we're doing? Yeah, we'll have to find out if that one's streaming. I didn't even look, but okay. I, I feel like that's a good doubleheader. We'll continue with the Chinese mysticism theme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we will catch you then, whether or not it is Golden China. What's it called? Golden, Golden Child. Golden Child. <laughs> I'm not good with names right now. There you go. Uh, we'll catch you next time.